I'm excited for today's. You it's are? got a big, yeah, it's got a big long name. It's a it's a hefty you know? one. Yeah. But I feel like it's um often the case with these uh tricky names and sort of long yeah. intimidating uh terminology. Yeah. The reality is the underlying principle is actually something we're very familiar with. It's it can be a lot more simple than than one might think. Right. And and I think uh once people sort of sort of like hear about it, they're gonna be like, of course, that makes yeah. total sense. So what's the word? Symbolic interactionism. Symbolic interactionism. Or symbolic interactionist theory. Uh, so great. Just add another. We can add. Just another, make it a little bit longer. Yeah. 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 Well, at, at the very least, now that uh, you're getting more familiar with it, between the video and this live, yeah, this is something I feel like you can bust out at a at a dinner party. <laughs> like, oh yeah, have you been uh, following the latest on symbolic, symbolic interactionism, interactionism yeah. theory? Exactly. <laughs> So it's a theory from communication studies, sociology, and it has to do with symbols, which mm. makes sense from the title, right? Yep. And particularly our interpretation of these symbols, because not everyone interprets symbols the same way, which makes sense, right? If you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has a different view on things. And to complement... To complicate matters further, if you take it out of a cultural context that you're used to, it can really start to confuse, you know, the yeah. interlocutors and your the speaker and yourself. Yeah, so, I, yeah. The way I think about it, there are multiple layers yeah. of interpretation, right? So Definitely. you have the individual layer, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you might interpret something differently than I do. Then you have the cultural layer, which is. Um, well, even before then, you're stepping, stepping back a little bit. Yeah. So you have the individual, then you probably have like the family, you might have something within your family and your community where you live that's a little bit different than other communities. Um, and then you might have the city that you're in and right. cities, different cities have their own thing. Right. Um, and then you go, you know, broader and broader till eventually you reach sort of the country slash cultural level. Yeah. And um, at all these different levels, you have a different type of interpretation of the symbol of the same thing. And yeah. in this case, it's a symbol. Exactly. Yeah. So symbols can be everything. It can be time. It can be places. It can be people, um, things, really anything you can think of. Like right. this cup of coffee is a symbol. Totally. Like, so you know? a cup of coffee from a lot of people, the symbol is what morning. Yeah. I think waking up, you know, Productivity, productivity, stimulation, yeah. sort of starting. For me, day. it's a waste of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and, that's the thing. Right. Or like, you know, no caffeine. Oh, or... yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's exactly it. So I think this is actually a terrific example. Right. So for you, uh, the, the symbol of coffee yeah. is is all those good things. It's warm and cozy, cozy and productive. productive like um, getting, yeah. getting ahead of the day. For me, I'm not a coffee drinker. And yeah. so for me... I'm like, oh, that's a stimulant uh, that's, you know, expensive and unnecessary expense, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I have, I have a very different interpretation exactly. of the same object. And thus, when we're interacting and I'll say, do you want to have some coffee? Of course, I mean, I know by now that you don't like coffee, but it'll sort of interpret the impact it has on our conversation, on our social interaction is is quite apparent yeah right absolutely so um if you think of so in the game of thrones that we're watching <laughs> um 
I'm not going to say what, like, the scene was in case people Don't out there dare. haven't yeah, yeah. even seen it, which is fine because we're behind, too. Um, when Masande says Dracaris, right? Yeah. And that's all she says. That one word, which means, like, light the fire, burn. Yeah. She's talking about a dragon. We don't really know what that means. So to Daenerys, the queen of the dragons, that might mean one thing. Totally. To the viewers, that might mean another thing. Yeah. To Masande herself, the person who, you know, voiced that utterance, um, it could be something else entirely different as yeah. well. Yeah. So now you can see why confusion might abound and why might why we might get sort of like lost in translation. Yeah, that's that was my next question is sort of how do we tie this into our our day to day communication? Well, if we have an agreed upon meaning of certain symbols hmm. i think it makes communication smoother but the reality or can is, interrupt it what's that or can interrupt it basically yes. the the concept of this yeah can either sort of facilitate or inhibit it right so i think when there when we start to get into some gray area it's when it's obvious that the message has not been transmitted or mm. the person that you're talking to starts to feel a little bit uncomfortable um so, I mean, they can be tied into like superstitions or cultural beliefs, societal beliefs, experiences you've had before. I think the best thing to do is to voice them. And that's what we talk about in the, in the lesson. That's one of the best ways to sort of just like make sure the, the playing ground is leveled. Right. Right. And, and that you know, like what's going on and why, you know, maybe you don't like coffee the way I like coffee and yeah. sort of t flesh, flesh that out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Um, I'm trying to think then, like, maybe we can use one of the examples from, from the video. Yeah. Um, With, or, like, or if you have another one. Okay. So in the video, we talk a yeah, lot about the Yeah, because then we can, we can go into a little more depth on it. So in the video, the focus there is like the cultural, the cross-cultural aspects where, so Fred throws Clara a, you know, birthday party. That's a surprise birthday party. But in Clara's culture, it's not, oh, yeah. it's not good that's luck right. to have the birthday party before the actual birthday. After the birthday? Okay. But in her culture, it's just not going to fly. So she freaks out. She, you know, spoils the whole thing, basically. And Fred's really excited about right, it, right. you know. And what do you do in that scenario? Because Fred now, right, the person throwing the surprise party for his girlfriend has no idea that this is actually a thing, right? Because they never talked about it. That, that, that it's never, a problem. That it's a problem. Right, right. But from her reaction and storming out of the, her own surprise birthday party. He's probably he, totally confused, to be he's honest. confused. <laughs> he's like, what did I do wrong? Here exactly. I am. Because in Western culture, throwing a surprise birthday party is like a fun thing. It shows like, you know, you care and exactly. blah, blah, blah. And, and in Western, Western culture, we don't really have this kind of um, tradition of celebrating the birthday before or after, um, at least not to my knowledge. But. Um, in different cultures around the world, there is that mm. um, tradition that they uphold. Right. And so in, th in this case, yeah. the um, symbolic interactionism actually caused a, um, it was that dynamic that led to uh, a miscommunication. Right. So that symbol of the birthday being, the birthday party being held before the actual right. birthday is what is, that, that's the point of conflict. Exactly. Exactly. And the uh, boyfriend's interpretation of it 
uh, was different than the girlfriends. Exactly. And because of those, uh, uh, the discrepancy in those interpretations, there uh, was was There's conflict. conflict. Yeah. So as you can see, it can lead to conflict, which is why the video is called "Build Don't Break Relationships." Because the reality right. is, if we're aware of these, the way that we interact with symbols and the fact that symbols are you ready for another big word? <laughs> Polysemous okay. or polysemous, you can pronounce it both ways. It means that symbols have multiple meanings associated with ah, them. Polysemous. Okay. Yeah, polysemous. It's a great I word. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's really the whole that's that's the bread and butter, if right, you, the essence if you of will, of, of symbolic interactionism. Yeah. The fact that there are symbols but not everyone has the same interpretation of these symbols. Got it. Makes sense. So now let's look at a, um, a, a context where culture is not the, the element there, mm. right? Um, okay. So imagine a, a boss says to his or her group of you know, um, employees that, okay, well, we have a big meeting coming up. Get ready for the presentation. Okay. Pretty simple, right? Get ready for the presentation. Yeah, it seems fine. Believe it or not, that's actually a symbol as well. Because just saying that seems pretty simple, right? Straightforward. Right. Yep. But now um, the way Josie gets ready for the presentation is going to be different from the way Matthew gets ready from the presentation. Is going to be mm. different from the way uh, Fernando gets ready for the presentation. Why? Because... I don't even remember the names I just said, but Josephine, I think that's one of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she goes by Josie. Josie, Josie. <laughs> Josie, in her experience, get ready for a presentation means you have to have the PowerPoint ready. You have to have the prototype oh. of the product if, you know, VCs are coming or whatever. So for her, she's, you know, trying to uh, get everything ready, like physical documents, right. any right. prototypes that are ready All to hands show. on deck. All hands on deck. Yep. The second person, I forget his name, Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> Matthew uh, doesn't feel so preparing for a presentation means just walk in, look sharp, be confident. Right. Okay. Right. In his mind, everything's already in his head. Exactly. Now we have our third teammate here, Fernando. Fernando's idea of getting ready for ready for a presentation is to make sure everyone has coffee, decaf, regular water, whatever, some type of beverage because, you know, it's trying to be right. a good... Um, Everyone needs to be have their, their optimal sustenance. Exactly. And then guess what? The supervisor has another interpretation of what it means to get ready for a meeting. So now we have four different interpretations of get ready for the right. meeting. What happens now? Right. I mean, that would be a big issue because uh, everyone's going to see the other person and think, I was just told to get ready for the meeting. I'm getting ready for the meeting and no one else is. Right. So they might be feeling frustrated. They exactly. might, um, you, you could see all kinds of sort of negative behavior spiraling out of that. Maybe some passive aggressiveness. So certainly um, some, you, you might start overlooking things because you're so frustrated and preoccupied with other people yes. and what they're doing. Right. Um, and in any event, clearly, the uh, sort of the combination of these misinterpretations mm -hmm. is going to lead to a meeting that doesn't go very smoothly. A subpar meeting, a which subpar is not meeting. what anyone wanted no. in the first place. No. Yeah, that's a really good example. And so yeah. I think the burning question here is, okay, and let's use this example. 
how would we how would we address that in such a way that you know this went smoothly right so i think you have to define what does it what does it mean to get ready for the meeting so from the teammates perspective if if there's some uncertainty about that term right that symbol then they should voice it they should ask us okay do you want me to prepare the prototype do you want me to get the coffee do you want what do you want me to do right, right. if there's any uncertainty mm. okay so that you really clear the air there with what the like I define, like define right. the term right give define. me give me give me the the rules of the game mm-hmm. um and along those same uh lines i think the the leader whoever is the boss the manager uh should also be very explicit Definitely. about what it means to be ready exactly. right uh and that can be something that he does in that meeting or it's something that they've established Before. as a team yeah right exactly. it is you know i know we were stepping away from cultures but at the end of the day they're all sort of subcultures and mini cultures definitely and there's a culture of a team of course and and in that case what would have probably been great for the manager to do is he you know as people join the team and regularly they recap these rules it's when i say get ready what i mean is we need xyz ideally uh Josie manages this, Fernanda manages that, and Matt manages this. Wow, you right? remember the names. Yeah, Good job. I know. Somehow, I never remember <laughs> actual people's names, but example names I'm, I'm weirdly good with. <laughs> so I think that's really important. And it comes yeah. down to being explicit, voicing you know, the terminology, voicing your um, interpretation, essentially, of what right. that symbol means, especially in high-stakes situations such as you know, this meeting. Yeah, and what's interesting is in this case you have a clear manager, right? Yeah. So there's a hierarchy, and the manager can be very prescriptive about the the the, the rules of the game and, and the what onus this means. is on the manager, and it should be as it right? should be. Right. There are situations. Let's just say it was that same group of people minus the manager. Mm. So now you have three people where there isn't like an explicit leader hierarchy there. Yeah. Um, in that case, uh, I think it goes to what you were saying originally, which is if there's no one who's going to like lay out the rules explicitly, then um, it's the onus is on the members of that group, be it a a, a team or whatever, a book club, a book club, even. yeah, yeah, um, to say, okay, so we need to get ready. My interpretation of ready is this. Right. How do you guys feel about that? Does that right. sound like your version of ready? Right. What I understood from this meeting was this. Right. What's the takeaway? Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of meetings too will have like the, what am I looking for? Like an agenda? An agenda, that's it. An agenda with the itemized list. Mm -hmm. And then the last one might be AOB, any other business, so that you can, you know, (laughs) just bring up other things, uh, miscellaneous. But the point there is that that's very clear. So that's another way. If you don't want to necessarily voice that, you can do this ahead of time. Like what's meeting prep? What does that look like? And for VCs, it might be one thing. For you know, cross-cultural teammates, it might be another. Right. For the salespeople, it might be another. For the client interfacing, it might be another. Right. So really, just getting down to the you know the bare bones of right and the, of the needs, I guess. This is, I feel like, a theme that comes up a lot uh, with what we do and in, in, in communication, effective communication in general. Is um, the more you can. Uh, the more that you can communicate, I don't, I'm trying to use a different word, yeah. the more that you can articulate your understanding of the situation mm-hmm. uh, to the other people, to your audience, the better your communication is going to be, right? The mm-hmm. clearer it's going to be. 
because uh, the, one of the biggest barriers to communication is simply assuming yes. that the other party understands what you're saying, yeah. why you're doing something, and so forth. Right. When in reality, you can't make that assumption. You, exactly. If if you if there's any shred of doubt as to their level of comprehension or understanding, uh, or their version of the interpretation, uh, then yeah. you need it's on you to, to clarify it. It is. if you want to be an effective communicator. Right. And if you want to make sure that you know conflict might not ensue, at, you know, afterwards, um, because the reality is that when there's not a clear message or when everyone has a different interpretation of a message. It could lead to conflict. It could be, lead to breaking relationships. It could lead to mistrust, right? It could lead to unprofessionalism. All of these things oh, yeah. that, you know, we don't really want to have. Yeah. So it really comes down to being very clear in, in the way that you articulate, in the way that you, you know, voice your opinions or ideas. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking back to um, my early teaching days. Uh, this is right after I, I graduated from college. I went off to uh, a very rural village uh, in Western China. And uh, I was teaching seventh graders at the time. That's a tough age group. It's a tough age group. Yeah. It was a tough place. Um, no running water. Uh, I get one shower a week, that kind of place. Yeah. right? So definitely a more challenging in terms of the living conditions. Um some of you may be familiar with that. And you asked, he asked to be there. Oh yeah. Yeah. For me, I wanted, experience. yeah, I wanted, I wanted something dramatically different than That's what I was so used impressive. to. <laughs> it is. So uh, anyways, while I was there, I was there for a year. Um, one of the things we wanted to do at that school was put on a big play. Right. Um, it was, uh, yeah, a Shakespeare play. Which and one do you remember? Yes. It was a Midsummer's Night Dream. Oh, okay. That's always yep. nice. Uh, a classic. A one. Yeah. Uh, but it was a uh, a Chinese interpretation of it. Interesting. Yeah, wow, yeah. So okay. uh, we we did huh. some cultural adaptations. Very cool. In any event, uh, the reason I bring it up is, I think to a lot of us that sounds like a great thing that you know you would get the full support of the administration um, and the local government to, to put sort of on put the play. On, right here's a community building activity. It's getting kids out of the classroom and so forth. They're speaking English. Speaking English. Right. So that's at least the way an American. Uh, person would American education educator, yeah. educator would would assume. Boy, was I uh, uh, was I off base because the administration was freaking out because it was taking kids out of the classroom oh from from all their sort of coursework. So they were afraid it was going to have a negative impact on the tests. And then the local government had uh, concerns because this was an organization of people, and in China large groups of people convening on a sort of non-government sanctioned basis is a problem because they could be demonstrating and, and they don't like that there. Mm. And so uh, at a number of different levels, this play that I thought symbolized, you know, you know, advanced learning and uh, sort of creativity, public speaking exactly. skills. Yeah. To the administration and to the local government symbolized very different and very negative things. Yeah. And, uh, we did ultimately put on the play, okay. uh, which is awesome, <laughs> That's good. but it took an enormous amount of what we've just been talking about, um, really trying to move past these symbols that, yeah. that we have in our heads 
to articulate the real reason why we're doing this and why it was going to benefit the kids and um, understanding the, the, the counterparty's concerns and establishing some, some sort of uh, common understanding and, and consensus on how it was going to be executed so that we could sort of achieve everyone's goals. Right. Uh, it was, I feel like, um, a very good example of uh, effective communication and practice yeah. in the context of uh, this topic. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So. so you can see that it doesn't always have to do with like one specific culture um, or, you know, different countries, but it has to do with just with subcultures, work cultures, yeah. any yeah. place where there's a community, yeah. um, even among friends too, right? So I think, you know, when you're talking to somebody, it's important if you have some reservations about, you know, withholding certain information or just because, you know, it's a superstition, you don't want to jinx it or whatever. I love how in American culture, we always say, but I don't want to jinx it. So yeah. <laughs> like you'll tell the person, but then you'll caveat it with, I don't want to jinx it though. <laughs> right. Which, which by the way, which is, is yeah, established in, in a lot of cultures, exactly. right? The, the idea of jinxing. Well, yeah, but then, so in, in other cultures, they might not necessarily use that terminology. They right. just won't tell you. Right. Well, what's the, what's the, um, the Turkish term for it? It's the Nazar. Nazar. Yeah. And in right. Greek culture, they have the Mati. In Peruvian culture, they have the red eye. Right, right, right. Um, so, right, that's it's really, really interesting. It's fascinating. It's and, fascinating. And actually studying. In Egyptian culture, I think, too, they have like the blue eyes. Right. Well, the evil eyes, what they call it here. But Yeah, yeah and I would say um, by being aware of this, we were talking about this, I think, in the last one, too. By being aware of it, I think you can learn an enormous amount about yeah. different cultures and um basically any ideologies or interpretations that are different than your own. By being aware of it, it can really open your mind to the many different ways, the many perspectives that one can have on a particular topic or activity or whatever, whatever it is. That's true. And I, um, I have a friend who um, she's of sort of Middle Eastern heritage uh, born and raised in the U S but still has that cultural sort of context. Mm. And she uh, she subscribes to the, the Nazar belief. And because I'm familiar with that culture, I spent time there, I lived there, taught there. Um, I was very well aware of sort of like, I had a hunch that that was the case. Um, and I'm one of her closest friends. And I remember she, her telling me that her difficulty with like sharing information with her friends because she's so paralyzed um, by the fear of you know sharing that information right. and i i was like you know well that's it makes sense to me yeah um and i, I would have interpreted that as like someone who's very private and maybe you exactly. know just not not maybe confident enough or right. or feeling secure enough to share things right and i've known her for a really long time and in the beginning before we were close friends i that's the that's the feeling that i got yeah. like yeah. that was the and I didn't assume anything. You can't. That's a pro that's a problem. Like you really should not assume anything. I think with that you sort of wait it out. If they're a good friend of yours, they'll tell you eventually. And she did. And so I was yeah. you know, supportive of her. I told her basically, you know, I told her about symbolic interactionism, and she felt yeah. better about it. But yeah, actually, you know, you were just talking about assumptions, and I think for me, a good rule of thumb is to 
assume if, if there's anything that that comes across as as jarring, um, jarring or um, frustrating, the best thing to do is to first assume that it comes down to miscommunication, right? Yes. Assume that it's not intentional. Um, because I think by starting with the possibility that it's just a miscommunication, you open up a wide field of solutions Definitely. Um, that don't damage the relationship with whomever it is you're communicating. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to assume anything, assume the best. <laughs> yeah. Assume the best. Start there at least. Start there. Obviously you'll encounter situations where people are actually intending to act in, in, a, in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, that's not the case because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all going about our day um, and we're trying to do that in the way that we see best. Right. And, and um, it doesn't behoove most people to act negatively. So to assume that they're, they're doing so uh, to be deliberately difficult. Right, to spite you. Right, or to, is gonna shut off a wide range of possibilities that are actually much more neutral or even positive, well-intentioned. Um, and so that's going to really, uh, compress your, your sort of range of opportunities for you. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So again, I think just sort of assuming the best, assuming that if there is something like, I like that word jarring mm -hmm. about the, the communication you're having, chances are it's coming down to miscommunication as yeah. opposed to sort of belligerence. Right. <laughs> and if you have a hunch that it could be um, an interpretation of a symbol, a misinterpretation, mm. or that you're not seeing eye to eye on a certain, let's take the example with coffee, for example, then you might want to just share what you learned about symbolic interactionism. And maybe then they might, you know, be aware of it and open up to you. Um, you might open their eyes yeah. to this idea. Discussing the concept explicitly, you're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah, I love that Not idea. pointing fingers at them, not pointing no, totally. it out, but just saying, oh, you know, I learned this. Did you know that symbols are polysimus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they'll work. immediately think you're really smart. Yeah, they'll be impressed. <laughs> Though, yeah. you should always define that afterwards, as we know from um, communications barriers. Yes. So yes. I've been watching your videos. Yeah. Um, that you, If yeah. you're using these big fancy words, make sure to define them. Define the terminology yeah. always.